0: This place together, Lord, is your people to be with you. We believe with all of our hearts that you are here and that you wish to speak. Lord, what an incredible privilege it is to hear from God, to be touched deeply by your truth, to be transformed by it. And we pray now, Lord, that as I speak, you will bring these words to life, that the word of God might go forth into the minds and into the hearts of these people. In a transformative and powerful way, they can then go from this place as a transformative and powerful influence impacting this world for your glory. So Lord speak to us we pray. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I went to a movie last night. Anybody guess which one it was? Marvel Studios. Endgame. <laughs> How many of you have seen it? How many of you are going to? Oh, boy. <laughs> What's that? No spoilers. No, spoilers. no, no I'm, I'm with you. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Because <laughs> some of you are planning to go to see it. It's, it's going to be huge. But, um, isn't it, you know, I, I, I love the movie, and I came away, and I thought, you know what? People love a story. They love it. And, and this, is a, this is an incredible story, you know. You've got everything there. You've got the struggle between good and evil. You know, Thanos, this incredible expression of evil who has wiped out half of the life on Earth in previous movies. And he's ready to do even worse. Hmm. <laughs> and and then, there, then there are these superheroes who have these incredible powers with which they battle evil and they, they do good. There are these heroes that rise up and, and they have courage and they live with incredible self-sacrifice. Mm. In ways that you will discover if you haven't seen the movie. Um, and, and they have this passion for what is right and what is good and what is just. And people, I'm telling you, they're flocking to this movie. I've never been to a movie, in Woodstock at least, where there was such a big, long lineup last night. The theater was jammed with people, as it probably has been since the movie opened, I think, on Thursday. The reality is that people love a story, and they love a hero, and they love love the engagement of this dynamic in terms of what might be. And it's fantastic, and I say that to, to, to point us toward the reality that it is a fantasy. It's a great thing to participate in. Not real, of course. It's this archetype that, that that the movie is built around and it's fun and it's good and it's beautiful. You know, the reality is we have a story too. It's a story that is that is filled with this dynamic of, of good and evil and battle and who's going to win. Well, actually, when we get to Revelation, we figure out that God's going to win. We know already we're on the winning side of this deal. doesn't matter, but we're still in the midst of it. This story has tons of heroes, people who do incredible things for God, people with courage, people who are willing to sacrifice themselves over and over again, people who have a passion for what is right and good and just. People who give their lives to that dynamic. The difference between endgame and God's story, though, is that it is real, God's story is. It's not some fantasy that's being created out of someone's mind. This is a dynamic that is real. We've gone through phases of this story. We're in the last one now. The first phase after the big problem was engaged, we sinned and we alienated ourselves from God and sin took root in our hearts and we messed up the reality of what God created and continue to do so. So God created phase one Israel, a nation from Abraham and Sarah who would glorify him and worship him and be in relationship with him. Phase two, then along came the critical piece in the puzzle, the person of Jesus, the Son of God, come into this world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to save us by dying on the cross and being raised to new life. And then along comes phase three. You know what phase three is? Four chapters remain. This is one of them. You know what phase three is? It's a critical part in the strategy of God. God. Understand that. This is God's mind, God's intention, God's plan. There is no plan B. This is the way God has established things that the world might be transformed in the name and in the love and in the justice and in the grace of God. And phase three is the church. It's the church. You know, I've just described to you the upper story of God, the problem, the fall into sin. Israel, Jesus, the church. There's a lower story dynamic that we've talked about all the way through this this story campaign and we're going to talk about it with great intentionality today. The lower story is how God's people engage this dynamic and today we're going to look at the first Christian church to be formed after Jesus ascended to heaven. We're going to look at this thing that God has created a new community no longer identified by ethnicity but by people who know and trust and love Jesus across the world? We're going to look at this community which exists as Israel once did to glorify God and to speak God's truth and to do God's will and to worship him and to be faithful to him. We're going to talk about us. And we're going to look hard at what our part is in the unfolding story of God now. It has been that since the first church was formed in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. So we're going to look at the lower story of that first church in Jerusalem. We're going to ask this question, and I want you to be brutally honest with yourself, and if you wish, graciously with me afterwards, and it is this. How do we measure up to that church? Are we encountering the things they encountered? Are we doing the things they did? Are we at that place where we're experiencing the things that God wants his church to experience so that we become as they were a powerful church in the hand of God doing the things that God wanted, wanted done then, the things that God wants done now? You see, the degree that we can say we are experiencing what they experience is the degree to which God's strategy will be accomplished here among us. And that is the will of God. I can say that emphatically based on the truth of the word of God. He wants the same things to happen here that happened there. So that the strategy will unfold according to his will. I'm going to give you three quick points about the the, the reality of that church, and then I'm going to talk about the application that we have in our day here today. The first is this. These 500 people, for about 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, about 500 people saw him and heard him speak. He did mostly teaching about the Old Testament scriptures about the plan of God and calling people to live the story. So that the plan, the strategy would be effective and unfold in the way of God's desire. And What happened in those 40 days is that these people came to understand, embrace the role that Jesus gave to them in order that the strategy might work. It's specific and it's intentional. I'm going to read 389 in the, in the uh, storybook. It's Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. It says, this, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He just made it absolutely abundantly clear. He was the living, resurrected Christ acting in the power of God. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, Those are the last words Jesus spoke to his people. (laughs) The parting words, his intention, his heart for them. You see, Jesus comes to his, his people and he says to them, there is one thing that you need to do for me. There is a role that I want you not only to understand but to embrace, and that is that you will be my witnesses. You will tell others of me, what you have seen of me, and what you have heard of me, both at home in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. The Samarians, you know, that group that the Jews were prejudiced against? Yeah, go on the other side of the tracks and tell them to. And then across the face of the earth, witness to my reality. Key, of course, in this is to knowing what a witness is and what a witness does, very simply it is, as I have suggested, to tell people what you have seen and what you have experienced. It's what a witness does at a court of law. You're a witness at a, uh, at a murder trial because you've seen someone murdered. You just tell the judge and the jury what you saw, what you experienced that day. You communicate the truth, the reality of what went on in your experience See, witnesses are simply here invited to tell people of their experience of the risen Christ, especially of the risen Christ, but of course of his whole life. That's the role. That's the strategy. You tell somebody who tells somebody else who tells somebody else who tells somebody else until the whole world knows who I am and what I have done and what God has done in me. Second thing, these people were so filled with the Holy Spirit That they were used in a supernatural way. Page 390. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues! Exclamation mark! Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, "What does this mean?" Some, however, made fun of them, said they've had too much wine. What an incredible encounter they had of God that day! You see, what happened to them was supernatural. It wasn't natural. It wasn't normal. It it didn't come from their own powers and their own abilities and their their own experiences. You know, God came in that moment so much and, and influenced so much so that people thought they were drunk, and they weren't drunk. They were under the influence of the Spirit of God. He came upon them and and entered into them in such a powerful way. They were baptized in the Spirit and came to this deep knowledge and experience of God so that that day from the text, we can assume that they spoke among themselves about 15 different languages that they had never learned, Egyptian and Greek and Italian and on and on and on. Even though they were Galileans, people who were uneducated and were unsophisticated, people stood back and said, these people could never learn these languages. They never would have learned those languages in Galilee. How on earth are they speaking in the languages that they don't know. I want to tell you, my friends, that only happened because of God's intervention in their lives. It happened because a miracle took place. A supernatural power was exercised in and through them. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit empowered them that day to be, what, witnesses to the reality of what they had seen and heard. They were telling people about who? Jesus. So Jesus commanded them to do it, and he empowered them. He acted supernaturally by his spirit so that they would be effective in the doing of it. It's a remarkable moment. And the third thing was they encountered radical Christian community. Let me read, 392, Acts chapter 2.42. It says this. How are we doing? How's IPC stacking up? How are you stacking up? Is it your reality? Is it your experience? Listen to this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship with the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. My goodness, what an experience. This was a huge dynamic that that unfolded after Pentecost. You see, the Spirit filled them at Pentecost. He came in power among them. He worked supernaturally in and through them. And one of the results of that experience was that they engaged a powerful reality called radical Christian community. We can't disengage Pentecost from what I just described to you. We can't disengage the filling of the Holy Spirit to what this church experienced on a daily basis and what these people encountered of God. What does it say of them? Listen, they were devoted to, committed to, focused upon what? The Word of God as taught by the apostles. It would have been all Old Testament teaching then, but the, the apostles described, they dug into Scripture, they went deep in Scripture. Did that ring any bells for anybody at IPC? what we're doing right it transformed their lives into prayer time with Christ to communion the breaking of bread communion with whom Jesus because we meet him there intimately and to fellowship with one another they had this deep sharing of life together they did life together with Christ at the center you see my friends these are the hallmarks of a powerful and of an effective church it characterizes such a church They saw miracles being done. The Spirit of God was still powerfully at work. They became incredibly generous people. Like way over the top, they sold property to care for the people among them who were in need. They loved worship. Like they ran to the worship place, the temple, daily to be in the presence of God, to worship Him and to thank Him and to hear His words spoken to them. But to be with God in that context. They met in one another's homes and they developed a deep, honest, loving relationship with one another horizontally and with God vertically. And the result was they became, listen to me, a powerful witness to non believers. They gained the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you hear it? Be my witnesses. I'm going to empower you to supernaturally act so others know of me. I'm going to empower your experience of community. Fill it with the Spirit of God. Move your hearts to be the people that I call you to be so that other people come to know Jesus through your message, through your example, through the power of what God is doing in your midst. Now, how do we stack up? Honestly. How do, you, how do you stack up in terms of this experience? What can we learn? Number one, well, we have to understand and embrace the role that we have to witness to the reality of Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. There's a role God has for us in his strategy, and that is that we tell people what we've seen and heard of Jesus. That's simple. It's simple, but it's hard to do sometimes. Here's the reality, and I'm not. this is a statement of fact And it's just something that we have to move beyond, I'm assuming, the large majority of Christians in North America, certainly in Canada, never share their faith in Jesus. We don't do it. I don't know. I can remember from being like four, growing up in the church all my life, we have to witness to Jesus, we have to witness. It's not happening. Now, I'm not being judgmental. I'm stating fact. Most people, the large majority of people, just don't. Do this And there are good reasons for that. We're going to move forward into this discussion in a while, and we're going to discuss some of those reasons. But here's where we as a church need to start this discussion about becoming active witnesses for Jesus by focusing on having, as these first-century Christians did, a dynamic experience of the living Christ. You see, if we don't have that dynamic, ongoing experience of Jesus like they did we're not going to have much to tell people about. These people saw and experienced Christ in powerful, dramatic, and beautiful ways, and they went and told everybody, we don't have that experience. We're not going to have much to talk about. We really won't. And you know what, too? We won't have the passion and the desire to speak as they did. You see, for these folks, witnessing to Christ was not hard at all. As a matter of fact, it was was easy, and they were eager to do it because of what they had experienced, particularly, I imagine, in those 40 days with the resurrected Jesus, the living Jesus. They heard him preach. They encountered him. You know, my friends, are we being so impacted by the resurrected living Lord Jesus that we have something exciting and dramatic and significant to say? And the heart and the desire and the passion to say it. You see how this is the starting point? You see how this is the critical piece of the puzzle? If we're ever going to get it right, we've got to be living in this relationship with Jesus where we're awed by him and he's working his miracles and he's doing his thing. And if we ever have opportunity to talk about it, man, we are just ready to go, not only with the heart but with the content, as these people were. So I say to you, I've quoted in recent sermons Matthew 6, 33 i believe seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you i say to you again if you want to become someone who participates in the strategy of god seek first the kingdom of god seek jesus jesus as king jesus as lord encounter the living resurrected jesus that's the starting place for those who be witnesses to him second thing Are we so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that we are, listen, supernaturally enabled by God to tell people of what we have encountered in Jesus? Are we so filled by, supernaturally, by the Spirit of God that we can witness for Christ? I want you to note this. The people in Jerusalem, um, they're witnesses, they spoke in tongues, various human languages in that instances so that people can know about Jesus. what they did that day really had very little to do with them. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't have done this if they had tried. They were Galileans, uneducated, unsophisticated, incapable of something like that. What they did that day was because of God at work within them. My friends, what does this mean for us in our relationship with the Lord? Are we so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that God will so act through us in such powerful, supernatural ways that others will end up hearing about Jesus? Others will end up hearing about Jesus. See, here's how I think we tend to envision witness, and I'm not, I'm not immune to this, believe me. Um, it's a whole lot easier for me to talk about Jesus here than out there, okay? Okay? But here's how we envision Jesus uh, witnessing to Jesus. We're with somebody whom we know at work or over a coffee or in our neighborhoods and 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 I'm on my own. I stand there, I sit there. I'm on my own. I'm terrified because entering into this kind of thing in our culture is not really acceptable, right? That's one of the reasons people don't share. The potential easily could be backlash because the culture, in many ways, certainly in the media, think Christians are all a bunch of bigots and haters, and we're looked down upon in so many instances. And I sit there terrified without knowing, having a clue about what I'm actually going to say. That's not a very nice scenario to be in. That's difficult. Compare that to the experience of these people. Number one, they were not alone. They were with one another. Big deal. Number two, God was with them in power. He was there in a powerful and dramatic and beautiful way. And what they did, as I've said, it was not up to them at all. They were completely unable to do all of this. It was God, by his spirit, who did something dramatic and powerful and supernatural in and through them. God acted. It was hardly them. And people heard about Jesus, and there's a principle here. No matter what we do for God, but particularly in this matter of witnessing, we have to be so filled by the Spirit of God that it is not our strength accomplishing what gets done. It is always and only the strength of the Spirit who is at work within us. Overriding our weaknesses, overriding our inabilities, overriding our fears, and accomplishing in us, through us, what He wishes to do. In our lives, what does this mean? You know, is it possible that if we're just willing, God will set up scenarios in our lives that just open up beautifully for us to speak into? Is it possible that God can give us the words? Don't even have to be an Egyptian or an Italian. He'll just give us the words to say. Jesus promised us when those times come, He would give us the words to say. Is it possible that God by his spirit would act in incredible and in beautiful ways so that our witness to Jesus can be effective as we get caught up in what God is doing? See, you're not alone when you you play this role of witness. God is with you. The power of God will be with you. So can God lead us into relationships where people are ready to listen? Has he already done that? will god cause questions to come from people who don't know him about our lives because they see the reality of christ just bubbling out of us the goodness the love the grace will god allow some conversations to just take a turn with some folks maybe particularly who are struggling and in difficulty because people often turn to god in those times will conversations take a turn that we can that just allows a door to open that we can walk through so simply and so easily because God has accomplished these things in us? I would suggest to you, my friends oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, baby. Because he did it there by his power, and he did what he wanted done. How do we get filled with the Spirit? That obviously becomes a really, really critical thing. These people, having experienced Pentecost, were just filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Let me put it this way, and I'll be brief. I'm thinking maybe we should even do a bit of a series on this. But number one, every believer who has accepted Christ has the Spirit of God within them. The question is what we do about that reality. Some people just leave... I want to put it this way, and I don't really like the phrasing, but it's the best that I've got at the moment. Some people leave the presence of the Spirit of God within them dormant. He's there, but he's not doing anything because of where they're at and how they uh, tend to live their lives. But it's possible <laughs> for a person who knows Christ and who has the Spirit of God within them to, to be filled with the Spirit so that the Spirit is given freedom to act and to move in powerful ways so that witness can happen. What does this require? I'm going to say a lot in just a couple, one minute. It requires that a a life be fully submitted to Jesus, absolutely fully and completely submitted to him and to his will and obedience. You there? That's a mouthful, right? Whatever Jesus wants of you, you are fully submitted to God, living in obedience to him by faith. Number two In the context of that submission, Christians live lives of ongoing confession so that they end up living a holy life. Not a life of perfection because we all will sin, but we grow in holiness. But when we do sin, what do we do? We immediately confess that we are given forgiveness and we are again filled with the Spirit. You see, when we live with ongoing, unconfessed sin, the Bible says two things that I think are particularly powerful. Number one, it says we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Number two, it says that we quench the Holy Spirit. It's like with this fire burning within us and we come along with a bucket of water and we just dump the bucket on the fire and it extinguishes it. We quench the Holy Spirit. You see, <clears throat> my friends, we've got to live this life of ongoing confession, which leads to the holy life that God calls us to. And then thirdly, we give time and place to be with Jesus in word and in prayer so that he fills us with himself. His Spirit. His Spirit. John 15, verse 5 says this. I love these verses. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined to me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic. Ah, that's not the right verse. <clears throat> Excuse me, we got to back up a little bit. Guys, can you do that for me? I'm going to find really quickly for you. This is so, so, oh boy, this is a big deal. we got to get this right. Look at me flying through. John 15, we're going to back up to verse... It is verse five, but we've got to go back a little, little bit. Is that that does say five? My goodness. Well, I'm gonna read it to you out of here. Ah, it's verse four. My mistake. Where is that? Think of this as a moment of silence, building suspense toward the incredible comment that God is about to make into your lives. Okay. Oh, I know what the problem is. Looking at the wrong translation. I'm looking for words that aren't there. Verse four, verse four, guys. Can we pop that up there? Sorry about this. Listen to this. Jesus is saying this, and he is absolutely meaning this. If you want to be filled by the Spirit, just to recap, to get us back on track, (laughs) number one, your life is fully submitted to Christ. Deal with it if it isn't there yet. Number two, you live a life of ongoing confession so that you're living a holy life before him and the Spirit has freedom to move. Then this, Jesus says, live in me. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit, think witness, unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relationship, listen, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant, separated, you can't produce a thing, nothing for the kingdom. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, there it is again, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. Do you want to be fruitful for God in anything? particularly in terms of witness to the reality of Jesus in your life, you got to be intimately and organically connected to him. You need to spend time where you live in him. It's like coming home. You know, make your home in me as I have made my home in you. Jesus has made his home by his spirit within our hearts. We have to make ourselves at home in his heart. And the, intimate, the relationship becomes intimate and organic My friends, I want to tell you the word of God promises when we do that in an ongoing daily fashion that we will be fruitful. God will use us to produce glory for him. Including a powerful and effective witness to Jesus. How are we doing? How are we doing? Lastly, the radical Christian community. You know, Again, how are we with this as a church? Are we living in radical Christian community with one another? Are we being filled by the Spirit so that the impact is on our hearts, so that we are dedicated, passionate about, focused upon the Word of God, learning it in prayer, being in fellowship with Christ through communion, and being in fellowship with Jesus by the fellowship that we live with one another? Um, <clears throat> I want to tell you, things happen in homes that don't happen here. I'm talking about our life group process. I'm talking about our small groups. That's the fellowship that these people had by going into each other's homes. Let me illustrate this right now, and I want you to be open and honest with this. As you gather in this place today, what do you see of everyone else in this church? Take a look. What do you see? You see the back of people's heads, (laughs) except for the people who sit in the front row, and they see nobody but me. And I want to tell you, when we get into each other's homes and we gather around those couches and lazy boys and people's living rooms, we see into each other's eyes. And we see into each other's hearts. And we come to know people at a deeper level. We come to a place where, where, where we develop relationships that are open and honest and real with each other so that we can pray for people in their need. So that we can love them when they especially need loved. You see, it's possible to sit back and watch church You know, kind of keep it at arm's length, you know, do life with family or with other friends, but not enter into dynamic, radical Christian community. Or it's possible to enter in, to participate in this thing that God has formed as part of his strategy to experience people <clears throat> in a radical way, not a normal way. People normally don't confess their sins to each other. People don't you know, normally give grace to each other in powerful way, ways. People don't open their lives to one another normally to the extent that true fellowship calls us to. Telling them not about only our sin, but about their brokenness. You know, I'm participating right now in our healing care process. And I had the opportunity about a month ago to do the 15, 20-minute teaching on grace prior to our meeting in small groups and engaging in the creative activities and so forth. And as I talked about grace, I essentially asked people, you know, is it possible that we in the church can stop hiding from each other? Is it possible that we in the church can stop wearing masks with each other and pretending that we're perfect and that everything's always okay and get beyond that sort of independent, separated uh, sort of living that allows me to hide from others? And is it possible that we, for one another, can become the reality of God where you can share with me your brokenness, your woundedness, your sinfulness, and like God I respond to you with love and with acceptance and with grace and with forgiveness? Which is life-changing for the people who encounter it. And I had a deep sense as I spoke to those people that night that People longed for that, but that for most of them, it was a new idea. But they longed for it because in that place, they are loved and they are showing grace and they are accepted and they don't have to put on the show and pretend there's something that they're not. You know what? Every single one of us here is a sinner and I'm including myself in this. Every one of us have something to be ashamed of. Every one of us needs to be forgiven over and over and over again. Why do we pretend it's otherwise when we get together and only show ourselves our pretty faces and how everything's wonderful? That's not fellowship. Fellowship is going deeper and being honest with one another and encountering God in the midst of that in a way that we are transformed and changed by his grace. You know when that happens? Only when God's spirit acts in a powerful and a mighty way. As happened in Acts chapter one and two. And the result was in that instance that these people were so transformed and they lived their lives in, in such a fashion together that they became witnesses to the reality of the living Jesus so that God added daily to the number those who were being saved. Why? Because they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People noticed. People saw reality among this church community. People came to faith because of it. Two comments and we'll finish up. I'm cooking today, man. And I I know, I know the time. Listen, people are longing for heroes in this world. People are longing for people who are courageous and who are self-sacrificing and who are committed to love and to justice and to goodness in this world and who are ready to give themselves with passion to see evil overcome and and this world made right in the love and in the grace of God. People are looking for heroes and you can be that hero by the grace and by the empowerment of the living God. There's a battle to be won. Cool thing is we know who wins in God's story. Yay but there is a battle yet to be won. We struggle with an enemy, a foe, who seeks to hold on to his power in this world and destroy lies and keep people from God. And people are looking, my friends, for a hero. And that can be us individually, that can be us as a church, if we're willing to step in. My final question to you that's very simply is this in the morning, who wants what I'm describing? Who wants to encounter the living Christ in a way that just blows you away To such a degree, you can't stop talking about it. You want to tell people what you've encountered of Him. Who wants to be so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that they are empowered to do things that are way beyond their own capacity in terms of witnessing to Jesus so that others, others come to faith? Who wants to be part of a loving, grace oriented community of people through whom God witnesses to the world so that others come to know and love Christ? I want to tell you, I want that. Very briefly, End of the story, May 26, I think, Sunday morning, we're going to start to share with you the entire plan that your elders have come up with for the future. It's big, it's hairy, it's audacious. You know those big, hairy, audacious goals? It's like, oh my goodness. We looked at it the other night and thought like, okay guys, let, people, let's just agree together. This really is what God's calling us to because this is huge, right? And they all said, yeah, it's huge. And we prayed again and we all came together and said, this is what God wants. Let me tell you this that thing will fall flat on its face unless it is accomplished by the Holy Spirit of God moving powerfully among us. It will not be accomplished by human effort. No way will it happen. But if we become the people of God who are inspired and filled by the Spirit of God, God will use this church and we will grow and we'll see people come to Christ and we will have impact in this community and around the world like we haven't even dreamed of yet. But it'll take heroes and people with passion and commitment in Jesus, filled by his spirit, ready to give their life to his cause. My friends, I think we've got a pretty cool church. I think a lot of good is happening here. God is at work, but God, I just know in my heart, he's got more to do among us. And as we give ourselves to him in this fashion, we'll live the story. We'll get caught up in the upper story of God, and God will use us in a powerful way. It's his strategy, it's what he wants, and he will do it. But I want to tell you, it will require every single one of us to become an Acts 2 Christian, to encounter Jesus, filled by his Spirit, on fire for him. Let's pray together. Lord, it's a daunting thing to think about the reality of what you call us to, individually, corporately, but it's an amazing thing to think about what, how you will empower us and how you will accomplish through us if only we're willing and step in in the ways that you desire. God, I want to pray for every single person here and myself included that you will allow us to encounter you, Lord Jesus, in new and powerful and supernatural ways. Come to us in new ways, Jesus, by your spirit and amaze us with who you are. God I pray that we will each of us be filled with the spirit of God pour yourself out upon us as you once poured yourself out upon that Jerusalem church and Lord allow us to embrace community in such a way that uh, my goodness the world sees and notices and comes to faith because of who we are in you Lord do a mighty work in this church so that we might get caught up in our lower, lower story in the upper story that you have devised help us be part of your strategy we pray let me ask this in Jesus name